Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Now, we're doing a special edition of LOA Today because my guest today was actually on about a week ago, and we had technical difficulties like which I haven't had in years to the point where my mic was so badly distorted, you could hardly even understand what I was saying. So we figured, okay, time for a do-over. And Jody fortunately was very, very um, helpful and, and just totally amenable to, to making this thing come out the right way the second time around. So Jody Lynn Craven, thank you so much for joining me again here on the show. Let's see if we can get the good done right the first, the second time. Yeah. The first time. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It's uh it was the universe's signal that we just needed to do it all over again. It was such a good conversation. It was a good that was what was so sad about it. We had a great yeah. conversation and then the world will never hear that one. But yeah, they are gonna this hear this one. will be even better. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so let's kind of take a few steps back to the way we started that one, because right now listeners don't know who you are. So we got to find out who you are. So tell people who you are. (laughs) Amazing. Well, my name is Jody Lynn Craven, and I'm the founder of Abundance Consciousness and the Fluid Money Blueprint. And to tell you how I ended up in this seat that I sit in, I kind of have to go backwards to, you know, the, the pivotal point when my life turned, you know, I was early twenties. I bought this beautiful home. Um, you know, I thought it was beautiful anyway with my then boyfriend and, you know, I didn't know anything about anything when it came to money. And I decided this was a really great idea. And then fast forward a couple of years, you know, the relationship was super toxic and it wasn't, it wasn't working for me, but I felt stuck because we had purchased at the boom of the economy. We didn't realize that that was the peak. Um, and when I was making this pivotal decision in my life, it wasn't just a choice of walking away from a bad relationship at 25 years old. It was, if I walk away, my house that, you know, after this great financial crisis, it's now worth half of what I actually owe means a catastrophic, you know, financial devastation for my life. And I I always tell the story the exact same way, because I think this is a really important piece for those who struggle of making tough decisions. I spoke to my dad and my dad's very wise. And, you know, I said, I have to stay because if I leave, I'm going to have to foreclose on a mortgage. I'm going to have to go through bankruptcy or something like that to protect myself and my life will be over. And he said, it's a choice. You either choose to stay Jody, uh, and you're, ha- and you choose to be happy because it was your choice to stay, or you choose to leave and you choose to be happy because that is also your choice. And then this pivotal moment of it's just money, Jody Lynn. You can always make more. Um, so that, that really impacted my life. I did the courageous thing, you know, moved in with my brother, foreclosed on a mortgage, made all of these mistakes financially and was, was really shameful and really angry that I put myself in this position and felt like I didn't have the tools I needed, the education that I needed to understand money. So it lit this fire within me to, to understand money. So I got a part-time job learning how to be a financial advisor and I quickly fell in love with it and quickly realized that, you know, I wasn't alone in this, that there was many people who were undereducated financially, didn't understand, we'll call it the ABCs or the third dimension of what to do with your money, how to budget it, how to save it, where to save it, all of these things. Um, so I eventually left my previous career to be a financial advisor full-time, built a brokerage. You know, I have millions of dollars under management with my brokerage business. And then 
in that, you know, along that thread, I also had another awakening. I started to see that, the, you know, the ABCs of money, that third dimension of how we do money was only a fraction of what was really happening. And I called yes. the rest of it the energy behind money, the way that we think about it, the energy that we're putting towards it, whether it's coming from fear, lack, scarcity, or if it's coming from a place of abundance. And that's what we would call abundance consciousness. I would go and see clients and, you know, free them up thousands of dollars a month, you know, a thousand bucks a month, just rearranging some stuff. And I'd build this plan for, for them to be in a way better position in 12 to 24 months from, you know, that moment. And then I would go back and it didn't happen once, Walt, it happened over and over again, where I would go back and they'd be in a worse position. And that was my cue that something else was going on. So I dove into law of attraction. I dove into money mindset, but I found that the tools that were given are very vague, you know, just be positive. Yes. You know, just a line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my cue to go within because I truly believe, you know, we are fractals of, of source of God, however you want to, to perceive it. So I have the knowledge within me. And, and when I turned within, I started to download these abundance, um, abundance codes, abundance consciousness, these phrases, these, this whole philosophy that I call fluid money blueprint came out of that. And I, I really just did it because I wanted to learn what was the missing piece. Why does my bank account go to the exact same amount? Why does my yeah. dad go to the exact same amount? And then as I would test these theories and talk about them with, you know, my closest friends, it was them who, you know, started to say, you need to teach this. And then the more I opened up about it, the more, you know, my mission became clear on, on teaching this and the, I guess the ABC is the actual blueprint of how you attract more money into your life. So Um, that's, that's me. That's great. That's, and that's a fabulous story. And it's a story I know many people can identify with. I, I actually not in, in the financial crisis back, uh, in the previous boom and bust cycle, going back to the late eighties, 1980s, early 1990s, I bought a condo at the top of the market and had a very similar experience. I didn't lose half the value, but I lost about a third of it by the time I sold it uh, 11 years later. It was, it was not a fun thing to go through. No, but, but, but but there was also good stuff that came out of it. And one of the Mm -hmm. good things that came out of it was I learned, I mean, like you did the hard way, we all kind of like threw ourselves on the sidewalk in order to learn, but we learned, we got, yeah, (laughs) I got skinned knees, but you know, know, I've fallen (laughs) down a bunch. Um, but I wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't for those moments. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to go through that experience. Looking Mm -hmm. back, you know, it, it set me up to be on the path that I was supposed to be on. I know that in my heart that this is something that I was meant to teach. That's why I'm here in this lifetime. That's a beautiful thing too. It always works out. (laughs) Hey, something came up since the last time we tried to do a podcast. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, doing some more outreach on social media in order to attract a larger audience to LOA today. And I was in uh, a couple of groups. I have a VA who's doing some work finding different groups for me. And she found this one group and I was in the group and all of the posts, the, the, the group was about um, careers and unemployment and stuff like that. And all of the posts had the same flavor to them. And I, and I thought about it for a moment. I said, what's, what is it about the flavor of these? And I realized what it was. They were all asking for vague kinds of advice. You know, how do I be wise about my investments? How, you know, mm-hmm. what's the best way to manage my business and so forth? I'm thinking, wait a minute, this, there's a missing piece here. What is it? I finally realized what it was. And so I posted some comments and, and got some, uh, you know, blank look kind of responses. And I realized I was on the right track. They didn't know what they wanted in life. Yeah. <laughs> they had no idea what they wanted. It's like, well, I'm supposed to want money. I'm supposed to have a business. I'm supposed, what do you want in life? 
Yes. That's a brilliant question. When people come to me and they, they ask me, you know, they say to me, I want more. I need more money. It usually comes from this p- place of lack yes. and, and this place of scarcity and frustration of, I need more money. I don't have enough money. Well, my two questions are how much and what do you need it for? Yeah. You know, cause most of the time we haven't actually gotten down to that. What would make you feel safe in your bank account? And then people will come up with like this ridiculous number, like this giant number, a million dollars. I must have a million dollars to be safe. Really? Why (laughs) is that really true? And I saw a brilliant post right before we hopped on, but it was talking about chasing happiness. If you think happiness is outside of you is somewhere else, then you will continuously chase it. It's the same thing about feeling safe with money. If you think that that ability to feel safe is connected to a specific dollar amount, that's a million dollars, and you can't even perceive how you will get there, even if you got there, you're still not going to feel safe because every intention, every action you're infusing with this intention of it's never good enough. There's never enough to make me feel safe. That safety piece comes within. That happiness piece comes from within. So what do you need it for? And how much do you actually need? Those are questions that I would say quantify what you're actually looking for. And if you don't ask those questions, and more importantly, if you don't answer those questions, a couple of thoughts come to my mind. First of all, if you don't know what you want, how can anyone give it to you? Yeah. It's not really possible. I mean, you're basically asking the entire universe to guess what you want. (laughs) And you don't have the answer, which makes it even worse. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I so agree with that. You have no idea. And a lot of times we don't take the time to do that self-reflection. That is something that is a huge part of my life. It's something that I do every single day. I'm always reflecting on why do I do this? Mm. And what do I think that I'm missing in my life that, you know, this thing that I'm looking towards will, will bring, or what, what do I perceive it will bring to me that I do not have? And then questioning that narrative. Cause we fall into these, you know, patterns of our life of, you know, some, something was hard, you know, that, that bankruptcy, you know, that foreclosure was hard. And, you know, there, there was a tumultuous time in my life, but as humans, we fall into this rut of it's, hard or there's not enough. And then we keep, you know, repeating this pattern over and over again. But is it absolutely true that you don't have enough right in this moment? If you bring it right back to right now, do you have enough money to buy whatever it is that you want? You know, and when you stop yourself in your tracks and start asking those kinds of questions, people will give you some answers like, oh, no, I don't have enough. I'd like to go travel. And when I ask myself this question, okay, with the money that you have in your bank account right now, would you right now book a trip for somewhere if you had more? No. Cause I haven't even decided where I want to go. <laughs> that does help. <laughs> right. I just want more so that I could go somewhere. Okay. Well, that's a little bit different. You know, that's not you saying I don't have enough. You haven't even declared to the universe what you even want. So mm. how is it, like you said, supposed to know what to bring you <laughs> if you don't know? Yeah. yeah. This is where clarity really becomes vitally important. And and it's where I've, this is where I truly understand the Abraham teachings because Abraham, you you may be aware they have uh, what they call the emotional guidance scale, which is basically all all the different emotions, right? And they're all kind of ranked. And at the very top, there are six of them that are tied for the top, which is really interesting. And one of those six is clarity. Mm. And I always ask myself, why is clarity considered such a high vibration emotion? But now I understand. Because without clarity, you can't be high vibration. It's not possible. 
Yeah. There's no way to get there. Absolutely. And when we're not asking these pivotal questions of challenging the the minutia that's going on in our brain of what was, what we've been taught, we'll never gain that clarity. We have to question the way that we're seeing it and if it's absolutely true and, and our intention around it. Yeah. 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 So beautiful. In fact, in fact, I really love what those six are. I always try to remember what the six are. I usually get four or five of them, but I know there's clarity knowledge that's a really interesting one to have is i never thought of knowledge as an emotion until abraham hicks put that up there oh but, yeah. yeah i, I don't think i've seen is. the new version that's got these yeah um i've seen i've definitely seen the emotional guidance scale but i, well, I don't actually knowledge being on there this is the one that came from the book asking it is given this is this is oh. what's at the top of that list so wow. there's knowledge clarity yeah. love appreciation and then what are the last two? This is where I, I trip. I can't remember what the last two are. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have to get somebody that's watching to to fill us in on what right, those right. are. Right, right. Exactly. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So send your emails to walt at lowatoday.net. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the point is, there are a number of different things that are up on that top of the list that I don't normally think about as being emotions. But as mm. I think about it more closely and in greater detail, I realize, well, knowledge does have an emotion to it. The more I know something, the more confident I feel, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, the more I can act upon. So now mm -hmm. I feel empowered. Mm -hmm. That's huge. You know, confidence and empowerment. What, how many more emotions do you want? Yeah. I mean, that's like, like certain, when yeah. you know something, you become certain and certainty yeah. is this beautiful, powerful emotion. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So that, that was really big. So anyway, I was in that, the, that group and I was looking at some of the posts and I was over and over again. I was pasting the same thing. It was, it was pretty easy. Copy and paste, copy and paste. You know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want instead? I, okay. We know what you don't want. What do you want instead? Yeah. And, and it really, really impacted me just how people get into what I call a victim mindset. I realized that it isn't so much that things happen to them. It isn't so much that they have, that, that they lose their house, that their mom dies, that all, it, it isn't that they got attacked. It isn't that, that they, be, they became addicted to something. It's that they never actually thought through to what it is they want instead. And yeah. so they got all hung up on all the worries about the things that they don't want and they couldn't get out of the cycle. Yeah. Hundred percent. We get stuck in that cycle, and it's almost like uh, there is a punishment piece. Yes. You know, we're trying to punish ourselves for something that we didn't do correctly or didn't do well enough, or or whatever it might be. But I see it, see that in how we punish ourselves. Like mm -hmm. we don't look at that side of things. We'd rather be in the victim, and 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 thinking like we deserve for it to be hard. We deserve yes. for it to be, um, to to be a grind. And really, that connects back to our beliefs about money as well. Yeah. Um, you know, money being one of the beliefs that I talk about, a surface level belief is money is bad. And a lot of people who do personal development around money or money mindset, you know, they'll, they'll chip this one off the, the, you know, the list. Oh, I don't believe that money is bad. But what happens is I, I relate this to a, uh, a dam. So imagine like a giant brick wall and the other side is all the water. And then where you stand, there is no water. The water is abundance. Like, uh, more of everything, more joy, more love, more, more money, more resources, more everything. Abundance, uh, encompasses all of that stuff. And you're standing on the other side of the wall saying like, give me. And this wall <laughs> is, 
is preventing you from having what you want. So when we go on this journey of money mindset, we start at the top of the wall, the most obvious things directly connected to money. And we try and chip away at that one brick, you know, we're like, oh yeah, you know, get the fork out and start hitting the, the mortar <laughs> that connects it. But the problem is that it's, it's not that one brick. It's what it's connected to. The entire wall is all connected. And there's a deeper level belief that is holding everything affixed in this place. So when people get into money mindset and they start on those surface level beliefs, they're too tired to keep going and nothing is really changing. So they just quit. Whereas when we look at that one belief system of, you know, I, money is bad, you know, we could whittle it down to, uh, or we could go deeper down. And is it, is it a fear that when you have money, you, you will be bad or you will do something bad. Another surface level belief is I have to work hard for my money. And so people have worked on that one for a long time, but because again, they're chipping away at the surface, they're not seeing the result because the root of that belief was if it comes easy, then I don't deserve deserve it. And there's that punishment piece again. You know, what makes one worthy of receiving? We have all of these, you know, built in belief systems or things that we've inherited over time, possibly lifetimes. Our parents, you know, the way that our society is set up that says it has to look like this for you to be worthy. And we really need to question that. Is that really true? Is it an absolute that you have to, it has to be this way for you to be worthy? And if you receive something, this is getting deeper into the belief system. If you receive something and it was easy, and then now it means that you're not worthy, then what? Then nobody's going to love me. Then, you know, I, I'll lose my family. People will think that, you know, because I got it easy that I don't deserve it and they won't give me anything else. They won't like me anymore. There's all of these meanings behind it or fears of what will happen next if we receive and it doesn't align with that belief of it had to be hard for us to deserve it, to be worthy of said thing we're receiving. That's a really great point. There's also another piece, too, that just occurred to me as you were describing that so well, which is, yeah, I think a lot of people will say, well, you know, I don't think money is bad. And yet it's interesting how often they'll contradict themselves on that. Yeah. And one of the ways I can think of that they do it is, yeah, I, that's, I, I don't think money is bad. And then they'll talk about how the financial system is raping the world, or they'll mm-hmm. talk about how the corporations are behaving so badly, or they'll talk mm-hmm. about how the governments are, are screwing things up, or the central bank just messed things up. Or I mean, it's going to be like this endless litany of all these terrible actors who, because they had money, were screwing up the world. But that's condemning money. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm on the fence on this one. I think that you could look, you could get really caught up in what the Fed has done and what financial companies have done. And there is tons of corruption. A hundred percent. I was really wrapped up. I wrote a book about it. I wrote really? a book about the monetary system, it, but my, my whole goal was to just tear down the monetary system and change the whole thing around. It wasn't <laughs> until many years later that I realized I was undermining myself by writing the book. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love talking monetary policy theory, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff because, because I do think that there is some corruption there. And I think that the average person during their interactions with money never thinks about that stuff. I never thought about it. I've been an advisor, a financial advisor running a successful brokerage teaching people. It'll be 11 years this May, 11 years. And it wasn't until probably four years ago that I started to ask the question of how is currency created? 
I had really? no idea. So wow. most people aren't even thinking about that outside of, you know, oh, no. they want to blame someone else. Okay? And I, by the way, no I found that out. Way. I yeah. found that out the hard way because just by writing my book and trying to push my, I was trying to teach people. They didn't want to know. No, no. They, they weren't interested. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if we start looking at, um, at that, that belief system of money is bad, the, where the, I see, I see it impacting average and ordinary people. And, and I don't mean it in, in a bad way. I mean, the, the majority of the population, mm -hmm. when we're trying to attract more money, this piece of, you know, money is bad is, is the, the one thread of like, I will be bad. Um, but that people won't like me if I have more money. This one came up for me. If I have more money, what am I afraid to lose? Well, if I have more money, I might start dressing differently. Uh, you know, I might have better clothes. I might have a better car. I might have a, a better, um, house, you know, these things. And, and maybe people won't like me because they're jealous of that, or they won't like me because they think that I'm, I'm being egotistical or that I'm being too flashy or I'm being all of those things. So I can't have more money because I'm going to end up being this awful person. That's, that's really the root of money is bad. It's really going to corrupt my soul. But right. when you take a step back from it, it's, it's the, uh, even the Bible says it's not the love of, or it's not money is evil. The root of all evil. It is the love of money. And, and I think that that's really coming from a perspective of worship, worshiping money worshiping money in the way that it will change your life because you are the only one that can change your life. You know, if I love this question of, is it an absolute? So people will say, when I have more money than I will be happy. That's not an absolute. You can look at very rich people around the world who are miserable and they have a lot of money. Robin Williams is a really great example. He was completely miserable, mm -hmm. but still had everything. So it's not an absolute, which leads me to you, like point the two fingers right back at yourself. You are the only one that can produce that happiness for yourself. It's that, that choice and, you know, worshiping money in the way of like, it, I have to have money for my life to change is a false belief. Okay. When you change, then money comes to support you. The dollars that we have learning about the currency system that we operate with today is pieces of paper backed by nothing except for the government's promise that it's worth something and our belief that it is. But truly, it is the representation of an exchange an exchange of your energy for someone else's energy, whether they utilize that energy with their hands or their mind or their body or whatever it is that you're purchasing, it doesn't matter. That dollar bill is simply a representation of the exchange. So then you really start to look from a law of attraction perspective, like attracts like, what were you putting into that exchange? When you went to buy your groceries, when, you know, you, you went to pay for something, pay your taxes. This is always a hard one for people. They hate paying taxes, right? They, so what we're doing is we're infusing our intention with fear, with not enough, with lack, with scarcity, all of these things when we're sending our energy out to be exchanged for the things that are coming back. And that's what blocks us from receiving more. It's not that there's not more money available. It's that we continuously block ourselves from receiving it. I love what you're saying there. There's actually one thing I do want to challenge though, that one thing I want to take issue with, because I've always disagreed with the Bible. I think the Bible's actually wrong when it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Okay. And, and the, the example that I can give that comes to mind quickest is chainsaws have been used in horror films 
to kill mm-hmm. people. Are chainsaws the root of all evil? No, I I agree with the sentiment that you're giving for this. Absolutely, same with guns. You know, guns, like I, I, I pick your pick your favorite nasty thing, right? Yeah, pick your favorite nasty thing. It's the operator that, which goes back yeah. to that intention. When I look at that statement, um, what I look at is that for a long time in my life, I looked for money to save me. The actual dollar bill. When I have more money, then I will be good. Um, I will be better. People will like me more. I, I will be proud of myself. I was taking the power out of yes. myself where the divine being lives, my soul, the creator of all things, right? Cause we are mm-hmm. creators we and are. I was giving it to a piece of paper. And, and that's where I agree with this statement is that the, the power, the create, the ability to create and co-create comes from within not from a dollar bill. And when we hold that ability to create, now we can actually control how much comes towards us in dollar bills or resources or people or, you know, that whole umbrella of abundance. But I 100% agree with what you're saying as well. I think there's multiple ways to look at this one. So the way I would rephrase it then is it's not the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's the dependence upon money for a happy life. Yes. That is the root of your yes. unhappiness. It's not even all evil. It's of your unhappiness, of your unsatisfactory life. And and perhaps the best way I can illustrate that is I have interviewed here on the program people who achieved massive amounts of money and like Robin Williams were miserable. They sure. lived, they were they were working themselves into an early grave. I mean, there was one gentleman very early on. This was like my first year doing the podcast. He was from Asia. He was an Asian American. He had made millions of dollars and he almost committed suicide because he was so miserable in his life because his upbringing, this is apparently very typical of the way people are are brought up as children in Asian cultures, was all about going out of your way to be extraordinarily successful. You have to hit all the milestones. You have to have the top grades. You have to have the best job. You have to have the best career. You have to produce the best results. And when you're all done, you're you're exhausted and you're wiped out. Everything's been just kind of drained out of you because you weren't actually pursuing what you love. Yeah. Yeah. That that is like, that's, that's like quick death is what that is. hundred percent. That's like, I'm saying, I don't want to live on this life, this earth very long. Instead, I'm going to live a half life where I'm only about the money and everything else is going to be, the money is going to create my happiness. The money is going to create all wonderful things. I don't even know what the wonderful things are, but it's going to create it for me. And then you actually are among the few who managed to accumulate all the money and it didn't work. It didn't work. You got there. It's, I, I can't remember if I said this in our, in our last episode, but I'm going to say it again. My dad used to tell me, you know, the, the story of the ladder on the building, you know, you're yes. climbing the corporate ladder and you put the ladder on one side of the building and you start climbing. And it's not until you get to the top of the ladder, you realize you climbed the wrong ladder. It's not actually <laughs> where you wanted to end up. But what, what, where people get stuck with this is that they truly believe that this money will change the rest of their life that when they have it they will be happy and because they don't have it this is the key because they don't have enough right now they cannot be happy and things are going to be hard and a struggle and and that's actually the energy that keeps recreating the struggle over and over again Mm -hmm. and i i i encourage people to challenge that is it really true that you have to have this to 
be happy, whatever that this is, or that you have to have this to feel secure or um, whatever the connection is that we're making, because all of these connections are really weighing us down from receiving and blocking us from receiving. So this is like a great segment we're doing, but we're also kind of getting away from what the original part was because you were starting to introduce your abundance principles to us. We ought to go back to that. So let's talk yeah. about the abundance principles that you've discovered that really made the difference to kind of take you beyond what basic law of attraction theory is about. Because you're right. I mean, it's it's usually presented fairly vaguely. I think yeah. probably because it's trying to address a lot of different people's issues from a lot of different viewpoints. But nevertheless, it's vague. So it, it's, it's helpful to have a hardcore roadmap to where it is you're trying to get to. So yeah. give us the roadmap. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I call it the fluid money blueprint because I like the idea of money fluidly entering people's lives. That's mm -hmm. been my experience from, you know, implementing these teachings to teaching, you know, my students is that there's this expansive flow towards you all the time. So I use water because I think flow is very powerful when you're in a flow state. So there's three phases to the fluid money blueprint. The first is unlock abundance blocks. And this is really, really important. So I give my students a roadmap on how to go deeper. So I was giving you that visual of that dam, that, you know, that big brick wall that's holding all of the abundance on the other side and us getting tired, you know, trying to work at the top, taking, you know, one brick at a time. The, the issue that most people face when it comes to money, uh, money mindset is they're focused on the things that are obvious. Money is bad. I have to work hard. It doesn't grow on trees. You know, you're, I mean, in the States, I, I, I believe that money is still paper. So technically it actually grows <laughs> on trees. Um, but it's just a different perspective, right? These are the surface level things. And we haven't been taught within our own lives how to ask ourselves better questions to draw deeper because where our money blocks or our abundance blocks live are in the way that we relate it to ourselves. Fear of what we'll lose. Um, you know, when we have money or without money, who we will become at a soul level, we connect the amount of money that we have to either being good or bad on this deeper soul level. So I give my students specific questions that were channeled to um, exhibit a response, like your whole body, your brain, everything is going to be triggered when you're asked these questions, because you need to, you need to start looking at yourself because for, um, for it to be, it is up to me, right? We yes. control if, when you start to learn about your own system, our brain, our body, it's designed like, like a computer, the, it runs the program. So if you innately believe because you picked up in this lifetime that it's hard to make money, that you're, you're supposed to struggle, that struggle is, you know, it is a good thing, is an honorable thing to it, for it to be hard. Those belief systems need to be brought up. We have to have that awareness of how we see the world because our brain is just, you know, looking for the evidence of what we believe to be true. So that hard example, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a dog fight. If you truly believe that your brain's like, okay, we're looking for the dog fight. It's got to be a dog fight. And if it's not a dog fight, if something comes really easy to you and you make money because of that, your brain is automatically going to have a problem with that because it doesn't fit the program that has been entered into the computer. So we need to find, if we're going to look at 
computer programs. So we need to find like the viruses, the things that are really holding the whole thing back and making it slow. And that's the first step to everything is how to self-evaluate, self-analyze yourself to see these things at a quicker pace. So I give, you know, my two cents on, on how I do that with journal entries and, and also within your body because your body will cue you to what's happening next. Yes. You know, your body is reacting before you even realize or comprehend what's happening in your life. So how to bring yourself back to you, to your own brain, your own thoughts, how you're perceiving the world so then you can question it. So that's the first step. And when you go through that, when you have a roadmap of how to go deeper and understand how you're creating this negative thing over and over in your life, whether it's lack of money or lack of resources or lack of potential opportunities. When you have the roadmap of how to figure that out, now you're empowered. Now you're certain that no matter what, you know, block comes up in your life, you know how to move through it. You know how to spot it and then move through it. And speaking of moving through it, that's the second phase. Um, I call that dismantling uh, negative money perspectives. So this goes into the, the body and the brain as well. Um, the brain is designed to make things easier for you. And this is why after we've done a task repeatedly in a certain way, the same way, essentially, like driving home, we'll find ourselves driving home and getting there and having no idea how we got there, right? Yeah. This is a pattern within our brain and it encompasses our emotions, our thoughts, our beliefs, the actual actions of what we're doing, all of this stuff combined. And I'm going to call that an automatic response or that's what I call sure. it in my teaching. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your automatic response. So when it comes to money, there's a lot of different, you know, examples of an automatic response. I'll give you one of mine that comes up the most for my students. So for me, I would have this trigger of, I would go to open my bank account. And I wouldn't even open it, Walt. There would be no opening of the bank account. It would just be, I would go to the physical page where it lives on the internet and I would go to type in my password and this is what would happen. My body, because this is a trigger and and, and a response, an automatic response that I had programmed years ago of fear. Fear looking at your bank account, fear looking at how much money you have left or how much money you have inside of those accounts. So my brain and my body working together would go into this automatic response and it would be a fight or flight response. Heart beating, you know, my throat closing off, feeling lots of pressure. All of this stuff was happening within my body and I wouldn't even get to the point where I could open up my bank account. I would just go into do mode. I would start making phone calls. I'd make an action plan. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. I'm independent. I can do this and I'll, I'll just force my way through anything, right? That's who I was. You, you, <laughs> I don't, you don't have to be life. a businesswoman. You can be a, be a businessman and do the same thing. That's what I did for 30 years. So yeah, exactly, I, I'm totally right? on board. That, that's the way that, you know, in my mind, that's the pattern, um, that I use to protect myself. I just mm-hmm. do more. If I take lots of action, then everything will work out. But the problem with this and the reason why the do more strategy rarely works for people is because the intention behind it, the energy behind it, it was all coming from fear. I must do more so that I can get more. I don't have enough. So there's this scarcity piece, this lack piece that I infused into everything. Every single action I took next. So every single action I was saying to the universe, 
Uh, I'm scared. I don't have enough. Um, I am, I'm trying to force this to happen or, you know, force an outcome. And then the universe responds, meeting, you know, every fear that I have and recreating my worst nightmares because we can only attract who we are right now in this moment. So, so really important to have a strategy on, on identifying the pattern one, but also stopping it. So I use what I call cast. So, uh, the reason why I called it this is because we need little like acronyms to, to stop us in our tracks. Oh, especially today. Acronyms are so popular today. You might as well use one because everybody else is using one, right? Exactly. So I, I built this on the information that I had channeled. Um, what we try and do in, you know, law of attraction or, you know, abundance coaches or whatever, they'll just say, just shift. You can feel the fear, just shift, focus on things that are positive. And I would literally do this. I would, you know, I'd go into my car and I'd be like, okay, I really like that. I have the heated steering wheel and I have a full tank of gas. And, and I would try and force myself to be happy, I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to put it or to sure. get rid of that fear. Yeah. But the problem with this is it's very temporary. Mm-hmm. Because, because your whole body is now in a response, a, a fear, you know, fight or flight response. And it's kind of like a toddler. If you've ever seen a toddler or you have children of your own, um, if, if you've ever seen one have a tantrum, how likely are you to reason with a child while they're freaking out? <laughs> you can't. Right? Not really. No, there's no logic that you could supply them with. You know, they're like, I need the candy. And you're like, no, you know, you've had too much sugar today and you need an apple or you, you know, you need something that's going to sustain your body. And they don't care. They don't care because you're having a tantrum. Right. You're telling this story. I'm reminded of story. I've actually told this on the podcast before. Um, My niece. Mickey, who, who's now a mother in her own right in her early twenties, but she was quite young. She was probably, I don't know, four or five at the time. And we had just moved to Virginia where she had lived with um, her mom and they were living with my parents at the time on a beautiful lake, uh, Smith Mountain Lake, for those who know where that is. And we had just moved to the same lake and she was over visiting us. This is her first visit since we had moved there. And within five minutes of arriving at the house and her mom had dropped her off and left, she started to throw a tantrum. She started to have a, a hissy fit. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking at Louise and Louise is looking at me and she reaches a point where she takes a breath to see, you know, are we paying attention? And so I turn to Louise and I say, is this working for you? And Louise says, not really. She says, is this working for you? I said, no, not really. We looked back at Mickey and we said, sorry, it doesn't work. We didn't reason. We didn't argue. We just said, it's just not working. And it just took all the steam out of it because we weren't arguing about it. We're just saying, sorry, we don't buy into it. (laughs) Yes, you were feeding it or trying to force something else to happen. Right, yeah. Right? It's it's so important. So um, with CAST, the first thing to do is celebrate. That's what the C stands for. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason why this is so important is because our brain and our body are paying attention to things that we make a big response over. So when you think like you're like, woo! whatever, (laughs) something like that, Um, your body or your brain is like, oh, I'm supposed to pay attention now. Like, what is it that's so important that I must pay attention? And the reason why that part is important is you're teaching your body how to, to, your brain and your body to be your early warning system. 
to show you when you're going into this response, because this response creates more lack, creates more fear, cuts you off uh, from receiving and, and is harmful to you. It's creating the reality that you don't want every time you go into this response. So we do it very unknowingly, go through this response and all of the steps. So we want your brain to be on high alert and actually working for you so that when you're, you know, you are going into this automatic response because it's so ingrained, so deeply ingrained in you to do it, you've been doing it forever, um, that your brain says, hey, we're doing it again. So you can work with the response. So that that is the C, which is the celebrate. The second is acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, with law of attraction, we are told a lot that you can't feel anything but positive, but what happens here inside of our system, when we're just trying to ignore anything that isn't positive is we end up pushing all of our feelings down. So they still live there. They still encompass the majority of what we're feeling, but for a few seconds, you know, we've ignored them and pushed them down. And, you know, it's like a volcano. It's, it's coming up. It eventually will taint everything that you do, just like if you had a blender and you're making beautiful smoothies, but you decide never to clean out the blender, right? After a couple of days, regardless of what good you put in, it's still going to taste disgusting. That is your body. So we need to acknowledge, and I always call it, you know, baby Jody, right? The toddler that is freaking out inside. What's wrong? What's wrong? And really allow those things to move through you and sit with them. The more you practice this, the faster that you'll be able to move through this, this, uh, process. But, um, the next thing would be before, to- before, before you go to the next thing, I want, I want to address something else here. Yeah. Too. This, this, this actually ties back to what we were talking about. Oh, 10 minutes ago, something like that. Um, because yes, you really, it does not pay to try to only be positive. In fact, those who teach that really don't understand how the whole process works. Correct. They don't really understand what the law of attraction teaching is because yeah. the law of attraction teaching does not teach you to only feel positive. That's right. It actually teaches you to feel what you're feeling and decide what you want to feel. That's not yeah. the same thing as, oh, you can only feel a certain way. You, yeah. Deciding and feeling are two different things. Absolutely. De- deciding is how you start the process, perhaps. Yeah. But it, it's not a replacement for feeling it is it's just starting the process and in the course of starting the process it also means you have to actually take an honest inventory of where you are right now because otherwise you can't take that next step it's like it's like i want to get into a good feeling space but i won't acknowledge that right now i'm feeling distrustful right like you you can't get there you have to know where you are before you can go to that other place that's right. It's exactly what you were saying at the very beginning. You don't even know yeah. what you want. You don't know what you want. Yes. Yeah. And you don't even know where you are. You have no idea where you are. Yeah. 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 So if you don't know where you are and you don't know what you want, not only can you not get there, you'll never get there. You don't even you'll know where never. you're going. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have no idea where to even start. Yeah. A hundred percent agree there. And it's the slight difference in the way that, that you word it. Um, you know, a lot of people do think that you just have to be positive. So if somebody is struggling with this, like feeling their actual feelings. I always tell my students put a bubble around themselves, you know, put a bubble around yourself so that you can feel whatever you want to feel. And the unique thing about humans is that sometimes we want to feel bad. Super weird, but we do. Sometimes we want to feel. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes it's you want to feel true. mad. I, I would right? even argue that most of the culture prefers to feel negative feelings. Yeah. And and the, the argument that I make is look at what we pay attention to. 
Yes. Or entertainment, news, politics, weather, for goodness sake. I mean, have you ever seen a nice weather forecast? Let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. They're all about how there's a terrible hurricane coming. There's a snowstorm. It's going to be raining all weekend. Yeah, we're going to get sunny skies for two days, but skip that part because there's a big windstorm coming after that one, folks. That's right. It's an endless series of catastrophes. Yes, (laughs) because negative news or dramatization sells, you know. We want this. The important thing, though, about about this bubble and feeling your feelings is that some people, like we were saying, want to feel mad about something or yeah. bad about something or sorry for themselves or or whatever. Um, and, you know, the previous teachings or, you know, wh- what's muddled in this conversation of law of attraction is that you can't feel any of those things. Another thing I want to bring to the surface is you have to be ready to be done with them. Mm hmm. Before you can move on to a new perspective, you have to be done with them. You have to be ready to move from, I want to be angry. There's sometimes that you want to kill your spouse. Not, not literally, but figuratively. Like you just want to wring their neck and you're just like, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're in that space and you're not ready to let that feeling go, you can't shift. You can't, it's like reasoning with a, you know, crazy toddler, right? It's the same thing. So, I remember asking this to somebody who, who messaged me and on Instagram or something, they said, you know, like, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and da, 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 da. And I could see, cause this is my gift. I can see when, where people limit themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and this individual was saying all of these things, you know, because I'm this, then, you know, I don't have any freedom. And because, you know, I have this title, I can't do what I want. You know, I could see all of these things, but I could see that this individual was angry mm-hmm. and they were frustrated. And I said, um, I have a perspective shift for you when you're ready um, because I felt like he needed one. And I said, but are you done? That's like, are you question. ready to move from feeling frustrated about yes. this? Yes. And uh, because it, it, I mean, it's perfectly okay. If you want to stay frustrated, go ahead. Exactly. I mean, there's no rule law that says you can't. Of course, no. You can. Go for it. And you know what? Most people who avoid that feeling are are avoid like they're avoiding it because they're afraid that they'll never get out of it. Mm. Well, it's just like cake. You have your exact your most favorite cake in the world, or whatever sweet you like, or chip, or or whatever it is in your freezer, in your pantry, in your fridge, wherever it is. You have access to an unlimited amount. Maybe on the first day you eat a lot. Then the second day you eat a little less. By like the fifth day, you're like, okay, I don't want any more cake. I'm just done, right? If you allow yourself to have the feeling or allow yourself to have the experience, you'll move through it like this. But if you just keep delaying it, then you're delaying the inevitable. So I said to this guy, are you ready? Like, are you done? And it's okay if you're not done. If you want to be mad for a little bit more, go ahead. And anybody that's watching this, if you're in that position too of like, I just want to be mad about it. Okay. Give yourself like a timer to check in, like in half a day, you know, do you want to be mad for half a day or is there something, a way that you could get out the frustration, like by kicking a pillow or, you know, throwing a rock or I, I don't know. What would you need to do to allow yourself to feel it and experience it in its entirety so that you're ready to move? Yeah. Cause it isn't interesting when you allow yourself to feel it in its entirety, that's the only time it dissipates. That's right. It, it doesn't actually dissipate if you hold on to it. That's right. That's really odd, but it's the yeah. way it works. Exactly. It's, it's, it's so interesting that, that our system works this way, but it's it bang on that yeah. we'll stay in the, the, the experience until we're, we're ready to move through it. So, 
Um, by the way, by the way, there's also another reason why um, you don't want to focus only on positives. And this is this is like right out of Abraham Hicks teaching, by the way. And that is the whole value in giving all this attention to the stuff that feels nasty, feels mean, angry, disappointed, frustrated, whatever it is, is because when we're in that state, that's when we become more easily accessible to what it is we do want instead. Yeah. It's what actually helps to define what it is that we want. In fact, wow. until we get that experience, we don't really have a clear idea. And then all of a sudden experience happens. It's like, oh, okay, I don't want that. I want X instead. But you got to say what X is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're bang on with that is it, unless you had these experiences in your life, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what you want less of and what you want more of. Right. You know, we came here to experience and that's a, a part of it. It's always this, this, um, like swinging pendulum from one side to, to the other of, you know, experiences really, yeah. truly. So, so important. Life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the next step in cast is really giving people some tools mm. because we've been ignoring ourselves and our feelings for so long that that fear of feeling it, it it's really this fear of going into this dark hole and never coming back out again you know i'll never make it through this feeling i'll never i'll never stop feeling this way and then our system automatically goes back into that flight or fight response there that fear response of and a lot of people don't know how to yeah. to calm that system so that's the next step uh which is the s and cast system how do you calm your system Allow yourself to feel all of those things. But while you're feeling all of those things, how do you move through the experience? You know, just standing there having a meltdown, it could, that could be your, your resource. But if you're running a company or, you know, you're at work or you're with your family or whatever, that might not be helpful for you to like freak out at a board meeting. <laughs> you know, you, you need tangible steps on, on how to do this for yourself for this. So that's now, not that there aren't people who have done that, by the way. There, and, and we could probably name some of them. They're probably hmm. among the, the, the top 50 most hated bosses in the entire world. And yeah. there are people who just do that. That's the way they yeah. celebrate life, if you want to call it celebration. But the question I have to ask is, does that make you happy? Yeah. Is that really <laughs> what you needed today? Like, Yeah, right? <laughs> is that the most effective way to give yourself what you need? Probably not. Probably you know? not. No. It's probably very damaging to not only yourself, but your relationships, but, the people yeah. working for you, your employees, your customers, exactly. your friends, spouse, yeah. you know, fill in the blank. 100%. Yes. So then after we go through CA and S, all of, of those letters, we come to T, which is truth, isn't an absolute truth because we're driven by what our perception is. So whatever got you into this response. So going back to the example that I gave you of me going into my bank account, um, when I acknowledge what I was feeling, it's a fear, a fear of what? Because you got to ask more questions. I'm afraid. Okay. What are you afraid of? And listen for the answer. So I'm afraid that there's not enough money in there. Well, at this point in my story, when I get to the T, is it true? I don't know because I haven't even opened the account. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is that most of our fear, you know, false evidence appearing to be real. That's what fear stands for. Right. Some people think fear stands for. It was completely false evidence appearing to be real because I had yeah. I had no evidence that that was the case. So is it absolutely true that I don't have enough money? No. Okay. It could, could be true. I haven't opened it yet. You know, it could be true. And if it's true, what am I afraid of there? 
And you can start um, shifting your perspective and getting out of the automatic response. So now we're going back to what you just said, choosing. You're choosing what's next for you, the next response, the next emotion. This is how we create and co-create the things that we want in our life is when we're consciously creating, consciously choosing the experience. And the more that we use this, this system, and that, that's my system because I found a need for people to have a step-by-step system, an easy way that they could start shifting these emotions and actually repatterning this automatic response that they go into so that at once you practice this and and something's super easy, you know, it's a one-time thing and you know, you've shifted it and you're never going down that path again. Some, some other stuff that's deeply seated, we need to do it a couple of times and, and really work through it and then eventually get there. But what happens over time using this process of shifting and then consciously choosing the next things is that you, you go through the same scenario. You know, I'll go to open up my bank account and at some point that path that existed before no longer exists. Your brain doesn't even take the path of like fear and, you know, scarcity and I got to go and do it now, this franticness. You've sealed off that path because you have spent time consciously creating a new one. And now you're no longer going down that path of recreating those things. You have something that you've consciously created that's beautiful, expansive and abundant. That is how you dismantle those negative money perspectives and move forward. That's kind of the key for part two. I love that. In fact, it it was just occurring to me. I I love the CAST acronym. I I love the way you've kind of structured that to make it clear what the steps are involved. It also occurred to me there's a second T in a sense. In fact, I could even say there's three T's really. Yeah, lots of T's. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of T's, yeah. Uh, Because certainly identifying what's true is vital. So often we are not wanting to uh, identify what is true because the fear is still hanging over us. Yeah. And yet once we do identify it, that's what helps to dissipate it. There's also another issue that comes up, though, in this overall law of attraction topic, which is an issue of trust, which I think is what the other T is going to be. And mm. we, we have this kind of feeling that it's sort of like this general, I have to trust how the whole thing works. I have to trust that everything is, you know, the universe is going to deliver my abundance and so forth. And all that is true, but it's a little bit airy-fairy for some people. Yes. Whereas, whereas I think, it, the way I think about it is along the line of what you call true, because I think it's a beautiful word for it. What if it's trusting the true? T-T-T, mm. trust the true. Yeah. Because Ooh, I now, like you're not, that. now you're not trusting like a, a sort of a vague thing. Now you're trusting what you can actually see, hear, feel, touch, taste. Mm-hmm. You can actually trust what you're experiencing. And that yes. becomes a whole lot easier to trust. Yes. Okay. So that brings us to phase three, the third part. Ooh, of got this. another phase. Okay. We got cool. another phase. Yes. <laughs> and that, that's a beautiful lead in for it. Um, because we do have trouble trusting things that we cannot see. And when we've lived in this world of, you know, everything is the third dimension, like nothing is beyond, you know, what is touchable. 
um, you know, we've lived in that world for so long that, that it's hard to imagine that your, your energy affects things, that there's a bigger force outside of you, that you're calling towards, like, there's all of these things that we learn about in law of attraction that is like mind blowing, but you can't see them, <laughs> right? They're true, but you're right. I mean, if you, if you can't see them, it's hard to identify something. It's hard to identify and it's hard to trust. You yeah. know, um, I think it's Gabby Bernstein. She wrote the book, The Universe Has Your Back. Mm-hmm. People don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. They do not believe it. So Well, they, there's they, a reason why I put the universe behind me as my backdrop. Yes. It's to remind me that the universe has my back every time I do a 100%. show. 100%. Yes. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. We have to 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 build that trust um in the universe, in ourselves, in 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 doing things differently. So the third phase is abundance on autopilot. So now what we've done in terms of this damn um, scenario visual that I've given you is the first phase was poking holes in it so that we are, you know, weakening the fabric of the wall, essentially all that grout and mortar. So then, you know, poke some holes in it and abundance starts coming through the second phase. We are dismantling the complete wall, but it doesn't mean that the, you know, the game is over. We still have a life to live. And now from what you've learned, you're, your life is different. You've learned that you are in complete control of your entire life. So the way that we built our life before of, I have to go to work at this time. I have to be the first in the office, the last to leave. I've, you know, it's got to look like this for me to get clients. We think very linearly, right? <laughs> when I, I get to, I, to make money, I have to do this and this and this. Now phase three, we have to tackle all of that. And one of the principles that I teach is on that trust piece of when somebody is struggling to to understand that they are always provided for. That's a huge one with my students is they don't feel that they're provided for, that there's there's enough. That's a hot button. So what I encourage my students to do, and I walk them through a process of building a case for yourself, okay? Like you're a lawyer, you're going to build a case for yourself of where that is true in your life, where, you know, you, you made a Hail Mary play and you didn't know if it was going to work out and it worked out something that I, in my, my own personal building my own case for me, I came up with this mantra of, of, of how I work, how I show up because I would fall into this trap of, I just got to do, and I got to get everything done on my to-do list. And I, I got to be the first in the office, last to leave. I say this because these are all principles that I lived by. And when I didn't, when I took a day off or I spent time with my family, I was never with them. I was never in any of these experiences that I was having in my life because I was always worried about going to make money, <laughs> right? Like, oh, I need to, I need to do this. And, and I came to a point in my life where I was experiencing adrenal fatigue and I was, wow. I was literally dying. I would have enough energy to stare at a wall on the weekend. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all that I wanted to do. Like wow. drool and stare at a wall to leave me alone. I had no capacity left. So the mantra that I came up with, what I started to see in building this case for myself is how damaging that was for me. Because when I was tired, when I wasn't excited about the tasks that I was doing, I was infusing them with that energy and things would take 10 times longer. Yes. So when I found myself trying to push and get something done, this was my evidence list. When I push, it takes me 10 times longer. 
When I'm in, when I'm excited, when I'm rested, when I'm like turned in, tuned on, tapped in, whatever Abraham Hicks says, when I have that feeling, that inflow feeling, I am so efficient that I can get more done in one hour than most people can get done in a week. That was yes. my evidence. Yeah. So when I was having trouble believing that, I would remind myself of that. Remember when you had a, you know, a tight deadline and you tried to force it and it took you all the way past the deadline to finish and it was not a very good product, whatever it was, versus where you just gave yourself whatever you needed, the, the rest break, you know, you went for a walk, you, you got excited about this, you, you just stopped trying to force something to happen and you allowed it to happen. It came like this and it was fire. That is the evidence list. And when you look back in your life, you can start creating these evidence lists for yourself on how everything worked out for the better or even better than you could have ever imagined. And it helps prop up that that certainty. It's that knowledge piece you talk about that you were always provided for. Would you feel afraid when, you know, your paycheck was less this month than than before? Your schedule is less full. No. You'd feel certain. You'd feel, you know, excited for the opportunity and the potential. This is cool, too. Oh, sorry. Is there, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that's, that, that was it. There's more to phase three, the abundance on autopilot, but that's the possibility side of things. Going again to the way that we think, we think very linearly. I want to make money. I got to do X. And everybody's got a different answer for that, what that looks like based on what they've been taught in business or whether they're an employee or, you know, their, their life up to this point. But money can come through multiple sources. So the, the possibility muscle, it, it, it is a muscle that needs to be worked so that the first thing that you think of when you set an intention, I want to make a million dollars or I, you know, I want to have new clients this month, you know, our brain will be able to think of maybe one or two possible ways that that can happen until we start to build this possibility muscle and we start to challenge what our brain can see. And when we start to do that, we create space the universe to fill it with possibilities that we could never have imagined before. Wow. Fabulous. I love the system. And uh, I wish we had another hour because we could go into it in even greater depth in another hour. I know. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. we don't have that. But <laughs> one thing that did occur to me, though, is that after you found all these wonderful things, now you can go back to the beginning and go back to see, celebrate and start the whole process again. Exactly. So you basically have created a, a continuous loop, which is really, really cool. Yes, you, absolutely. And I think that's really important, Walt, because people are looking for a solution of like a one and a done. Mm -hmm. um, but you're not a tree. You're no. a human and things could be vastly different like this in an instant. And that doesn't mean that things will change in the future. Like, you know, you, you go through different phases in your life. You get married, you have kids, you know, whatever, you move to this city, you move over there, you know, things are changing. Even the, from working full time to working down to part time, you need tools to help you navigate the rest of your life and that next level of abundance, next level, next level, next level. Because as you get to the next one, it's, you're not done. There is a vast, you know, expanse that we have access to. And that's why it was designed as such to go back to the beginning is there's always more available to you. I love it. Well, before we part company for the day, you got to tell people, first of all, how to find out more about you and about your course and your coaching and so forth. Any book you got, give people an idea how to reach out to Jody Lynn. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully we're going to have some show notes. So what I'll do for all of you that are listening, 
is I will drop in a link here for my free training that goes through the three common mistakes that entrepreneurs make, as well as the Fluid Money Blueprint. I mean, we did a great job explaining all of the steps today. So, um, But inside of that free training, then I go into the course that houses the Fluid Money Blueprint, which is actually called More, and it's a six-month container. So you'll, you'll get access to that and some freebies by watching that free training. So we'll have that link. Outside of that, you can go to jodylynncraven.com. Um, um, there's an option there to find me or Instagram. It's just Jody Lynn Craven, um, on Instagram. And if you have a question or, you know, you're thinking, you know, does this fit in? Can you help me with, with X? Because abundance tends to be so vast, um, that, you know, we, we have trouble seeing what, what really fits in there, right? If you have a question or you just want to reach out to me and say, hi, just send me a message on Instagram and I'll be sure to get back to you. Beautiful thing. Jody Lynn Craven, thank you so much for doing the redo of the <laughs> podcast that didn't work the first time. But I think this it was even better, better though. <laughs> it was. It really was. So thank you very much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.